2: You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Bronco's Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge.
3: Okay, we're live, but we gotta let the stream breathe just for a few seconds to make sure we have Facebook online here with us. Bear with us just a couple seconds. And we are good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast, presented as always by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me as always, my partner in crime, my fellow football priest. You know him. You love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, you know, we've uh, we've had to eat our crow a little bit with regard to Melvin Gordon But did you regurgitate that crow a little bit today? And how did it taste on the way back out? (laughs) It came up undigested because I never
1: swallowed that crow voluntarily, Chad. I mean, we're all lauding Melvin Gordon for what he's done for the Broncos offense, but he has as many DUIs now as receiving touchdowns. He's an $8 million a year running back. What has he really provided the team where I'm going to say he's the best running back I've ever seen? No. He complained about practicing. He got to Denver late when he first signed. He kind of caused a little bit of a mini ruckus in the locker room. Now they got arrested for DUI. I just – this is the character concern that I was worried about getting with Melvin Gordon. Everyone saw what he did with the Chargers and what he can do with his receiving ability, but there's a reason why the Chargers moved on. There's a reason why he held out last year. Guys with good character concerns don't do something like that. So I'd love to say I'm surprised, but I'm not. I'd love to say that I feel – I don't feel vindicated, but I definitely do. You know, the
3: irony is that – he was one of the guys that I think Vic Fangio was talking about when he came out with his uh, whiners and B worders uh, on Sunday morning. And, you know, I think he, there was a little bit of new England passive aggressiveness there, but honestly I think he was probably more talking about players who were complaining about just the way this season is going and, you know, the word that shall go unmentioned and, Justin Simmons was a guy that complained, as you mentioned, Shelby Harris. But Melvin was one of those guys that complained. And then, you know, the idle hands, the devil's play thing. Three days off they get. Saturday, let's see, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. The last day off, Zach, of this little botched buy. Melvin Gordon decides to go out and fight the law. And the law won. Surprise, surprise, you know. The Broncos have decided, or, or I should say, are undecided – on whether or not he's going to play this week. Now, Zach, is there any doubt in your mind that he's going to play up and until the NFL actually hands down their their discipline? I think this is what's
1: going to happen. Coinciding with Philip Lindsay's return on Sunday, I believe Melvin Gordon is going to be benched for like a quarter or a half. That's going to be the Broncos' internal punishment for Melvin Gordon. People were speculating he's going to be released. They're not moving on from a guy they made, the seventh highest paid running back in the NFL. And Vic Fangio said himself, you know, my kids disappoint me too, and they let me down too, but I still love them. So he still thinks Melvin Gordon is one of his kids, so to speak, and he's still considering him an integral part of this offense because he is. I hate to say that, but he is. And it's a slap on the wrist. They have to show the Broncos publicly, optics-wise, that they're going to punish Melvin Gordon and not wait for the NFL to hand down punishment. Fangio wants to get ahead of the story. So I think something that can meet in the middle is not too drastic, but it's not too slap on the wrist either, is sit him down for a half, sit him down for a quarter, and make Lindsey the guy just to show that, listen, if you mess up again, someone will take your job.
3: You know, a lot of fans reached out to exercise some demons today on social media after the news broke about Melvin Gordon and several, several more than I could count or remember said, cut him, you know, just get rid of him. That's an extreme overreaction. Look, you know, we, uh, you know, this is a moment in which he deserves a little shade because he's a six year vet and he's going out there and getting in trouble with the law, uh, Fangio said there at this point, there doesn't appear to be involved in his, uh, faux pas in Gordon's faux pas, any C word, um, violations with regard to the protocol. So in other words, there's no reason to believe he was coming from like a packed party or club or anything. We don't know exactly what the full story was there, but Zach, he, he got himself into hot water. Fans wanted to see him cut. Some of them did anyway, not, I think, you know, people who were, a little bit more rational, weren't quite ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But as much as this might be the moment to say, look, you know, it's the NFL. You can eat crow. You can spit it back out. There might come a time again where we have to eat crow on Melvin Gordon. I think we probably will, to be honest with you, because he's been far more of a blessing than he has any kind of a burden to this team. And if you can imagine, I mean, think about this, Zach, let's, let's, let's just for a moment, take on the silver lining here. And that is that, Philip Lindsay goes down, what was it, two quarters into the season, right? Doesn't come out of halftime against the Titans. And then Drew Locke goes down, what, eight plays into week two, and then two quarterbacks back and forth. It's a mess. If you didn't have the stability of Melvin Gordon back there, not to say he hasn't exactly been prolific, but that steady impact, I don't know where this team would be. I mean, I probably 0-4 instead of 1-3. and 3. I'm mean, steady,
1: relatively speaking, to what, though? When you have three quarterbacks playing, when you have uh, a swinging door offensive line, any modicum of success is going to look magnified. And that's what Melvin Gordon did last week against the Jets. And if he didn't have that long touchdown run, Chad, would we all be praising him for what he... He's averaging 4.1 yards per carry, three rushing touchdowns. He's pretty pedestrian this year. Not the worst running back ever, but far from the best running back. And I'll tell you something. I am never going to not eat crow on Melvin Gordon's contract. He was overpaid, he is overpaid, and he will be overpaid. $8 million a year for 4.1 yards a carry, one receiving touchdown, but yet you have the guy who coming in, Philip Lindsay starting Sunday, making $750,000. Watch what he does for the rest of the season. He will start Sunday as the RB1A and finish the year as the RB1. Watch.
3: Mike Garofalo, for what it's worth, I just noticed this, provided some background on Melvin Gordon's Tuesday night. This is Mike Garofalo, quote, uh, let's see, the Broncos obviously aren't happy with the DUI citation itself, but are at least pre, uh, at least pleased with how Gordon has handled the fallout. Mentioned on air earlier that Gordon had dinner with a few friends last night, drank wine there, decided to drive home. Obviously, should have called, um, you know, in this case – Pro athletes have no excuse. If you and buy even one drink, Uber it, dude. You got to Uber. You have no excuse. Call the John team Elway has a car immediately.
1: Service.
3: Yes, the team the does have a car, car services. Service. But no even excuse. if you don't want to, even if Zach, you don't want to get on the team's radar, you just kind of want to handle your business. Call an Uber. There's no excuse. Uh, but by the way, last thing: call John Elway immediately after his DUI citation to accept responsibility and apologize for whatever that's worth. It's worth
1: this. He's trying to maintain his money and his contract. He, he knows where his bread is buttered. He, he's been around the league long enough, Chad, like you mentioned, a veteran's veteran. Uh, he should know better. He's not a rookie. He's not a second year player. If he had wine with dinner, whatever he did uh, last night, he needs to know that he's going to get busted if he drives. And he was so impaired. Watery eyes. He was slurring his speech. The police report came out via Mike List, and he was definitely drunk. I don't want to speculate, but he was definitely under the influence. And for a guy who's under the spotlight, being a highly paid player and having Philip Lindsay coming back, you think he would try his hardest to defend his his title and and, and defend off Philip Lindsay and not squander the opportunity. But again, knowing
3: Melvin Gordon's character and knowing Melvin Gordon's track record, I can't say I'm shocked. Guys, there's a few more angles to this story that we want to tackle. Of course, a lot going down today at Broncos HQ with the team returning to practice. We're gonna get to all that here in just a second, but first, we gotta take care of a few matters of business.
1: Yeah, tonight's live stream podcast is brought to you by SportsBetting.com. Broncos country. Gambling is now legal in the state of Colorado, and here's what makes SportsBetting.com a no-brainer for sports fans. First of all, sharp odds and low juice. They have in-house bookmakers. They're not a third-party provider of odds. They have reduced juice and their best prices. Also, hassle-free bonuses, a one-time rollover. It means the bonus money is yours after you bet it one time, whereas other sites range from 5 to 30 times. Big difference there. Finally, 24-7 live customer support. You're always getting a real person in the U.S., never a robot, a real live human being. But here's the kicker. At SportsBetting.com, you get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to $500. Not just one bet, but all of your bets. Play for a week, and if your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, SportsBetting.com will cover 100% of the difference, up to $500 with a one-time rollover. So head on over to SportsBetting.com slash MileHighHuddle. That's SportsBetting.com slash MileHighHuddle, and capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to $500.
3: It's a no-brainer, gang. Rock it. A couple other quick matters of business. Make sure you are following the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Pod. And while you're at it, follow the main account at Mile High Huddle. If you have those two accounts followed, you're not going to miss anything Broncos news, uh, updates, analysis, or anything as it relates to the podcast. Gentle reminder head on over to huddleuppod.com and get your swag on. Get yourself one of those new MHH Huddle Up Pod superstar design shirts from Christy. They've been selling like hotcakes so far for what it's worth. Good job, Christy. People seem to really be digging that design. Uh, But you can get a hat. You can get a T-shirt. You can get a hoodie. You can get a mug. There's face masks still. There's a little something for everybody. It's another way you can support what we're doing here at Mile High Huddle. And if you're not in a position to patronize the merch store, that's all good. We understand, but each and every one of you, whether you're listening and with us live or after the fact as an on-demand podcast, can do these three things. First and foremost, you got to subscribe pretty please, all right, with a cherry on top, especially crucial on YouTube, especially crucial on Facebook. Like this video, also crucial on Facebook and YouTube. And here's the litmus test, guys. If you think Zach and I are doing a good job, share this video. Sharing this video out means just as much, if not more, to us than landing a big advertiser for the podcast. It's so powerful, means a lot. Those three things, subscribe, like, share, help us continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. And then last thing here, shout-out to our Facebook, official Facebook supporters. I mean, Zach, our audience, our community on Facebook continues to grow. It's up to about 90,000. If you want to become an official supporter and you're amongst that Facebook community just go to the page facebook.com slash mile high huddle you see the big blue button become a supporter it's another way to to, to get behind and, and support what we're doing here and then we also have some added benefits some special sauce so to speak coming your way for the facebook supporters specifically
0: uh we really appreciate you guys
2: this is the overtime podcast network
3: Guys, everybody wants to find a way to make a difference and make an impact in the world. A lot of times people get too caught up with our lives. Things are happening. We got jobs. We got families. We got school. We got things going on. We don't always have the means to get around to doing that. But here's what's cool about Core Seltzer. You can actually make a difference by just enjoying a great, great drink. And here's how it works. Core Seltzer is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. By simply cracking open a can of Core Seltzer, you're volunteering. Because our waterways, let's face it, they're at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up. Through a partnership, though, with Change the Course, Coors Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Here's how that works. Each 12-pack of course Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. The way it shakes out, 1 billion gallons of water get restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., and that's just year one. Here's what's great, though, about Coors Seltzer itself. Not only are you making a difference in the world simply by purchasing Coors Seltzer, but you also get to enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon, lime, and grapefruit. I particularly like the black cherry, and the specks are in Coors Seltzer, Is 4.5% ABV, and it's only 90 calories. As someone who
1: covers the NFL and a giant football fan, there's nothing I like more than kicking back on a Sunday morning, getting my spread, getting my food, getting my drinks, putting on a full slate of NFL action, and kicking back with a Coors seltzer. Whether it's a black cherry, a mango, lemon, lime, Chad, I live for football and kicking back with my Coors seltzer each and every single game week.
3: Amen. So, join the world's easiest volunteer program, gang, by simply drinking Core Seltzer. You can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Core Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. Guys, it's that simple. Who would have guessed saving the world could be that easy? Visit CoreSeltzer.com to find Core Seltzer near you. That's CoreSeltzer.com. For every
1: 12 pack sold through 831 2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com.
3: Celebrate responsibly, Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, Zach, let's dive into this super chat from Boggins, because I know this was <clears throat> this was a topic that you addressed today on Twitter. I don't think it was with Boggins, probably with someone else, but nevertheless. Boggins, really appreciate the super Thank chat. You. Everyone, Mr. Boggins, superstar in the community. He says, snag Le'Veon Bell, by the way. If you guys missed it, Le'Veon Bell was released by the New York Jets for the rookie mint uh for the veteran minimum. I, I assume is what he means. However, did hear from uh Luke Patterson that the Chiefs might be interested in Le'Veon Bell as well. That would be a nightmare to see Bell land with the Chiefs, to be frank with you. However, Zach. I'm not convinced that there's much left in the tank for Le'Veon right. Bell. What's what's your That's, take on this whole thing? Le'Veon Bell got paid by the Jets, and he he will never be the
1: same player as he was in Pittsburgh. He will never be as hungry. He will never be as desperate. He will never put the effort in like he did with the Steelers. Uh, if he goes to the Chiefs, I, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a better running back overall. I, I don't see what he brings to the table that Edwards-Hilaire can't do, minus maybe some receiving ability. I thought – uh, the Patriots would be a, a no-brainer landing spot for Le'Veon Bell, just a, a former disgruntled player who becomes an all-pro in New England. I can see that happening. I can see him going back to Pittsburgh. But in terms of the Broncos, for so many reasons, this is a terrible idea. They don't need another running back. They don't need to pay another running back before Philip Lindsay. They don't need to bring in another locker room cancer when they already have a guy with a
3: DUI. So no way, no how is Bell coming to Denver. He's not going to be cheap. I mean, even though, <clears throat> excuse me, it's the middle of the season, Zach, and a lot of times such veterans are inclined to take, you know, whatever money they can get, live to fight another offseason and try and collect down the road. <clears throat> Bell's a guy that has made it clear over the last you know, few years. Money is the penultimate issue for him. And I think he's going to, you know, he'll even if he doesn't get the money he's looking for right now, he'll just hold out, dude. And he'll wait probably till the offseason and wait till the free agent period rolls around and see what he can find. If you're the Denver Broncos and you already have $8 million of your cap this year tied up in Melvin Gordon, and granted, he just got popped for a DUI and you know there are going to be a couple of games at some point later this season he's going to miss due to a DUI suspension and discipline from the league, I don't see why you would want to bring in Le'Veon Bell. I really don't. Like, Le'Veon Bell... If this was the same guy that he was at his, in his prime uh, in Pittsburgh, I would at least be listening to you. I would take it a lot more seriously. But, Zach, this guy has fallen off a cliff, not just because of the injury bug, but when he's been on the field, he's been completely ineffectual.
1: Yeah, and he's he averaged like 3.4 or 3.6 yards per carry in New York. He's shot. Again, he will never be the same player as he was in Pittsburgh. And I ask this question like I ask the same question with any other free agent. Just insert his name there. Are the Broncos a Le'Veon Bell away from winning a title? And the answer is definitely not. They're not one running back. They're not one offensive lineman. They're not one cornerback. They're a couple pieces away from being serious contenders. Le'Veon Bell would, would do the opposite of that goal. He, it would create more dysentery among the rings. He, he would, it would just be bad overall for the Broncos' chemistry and for the Broncos' on-field product. No way, no how.
3: Let's grab this question. From Miller707Champ, everybody knows Miller707Champ on YouTube. It's good to see you, my friend. What's your realistic expectations for Drew Locke the rest of the season? Also, what does he have to do to solidify himself as the franchise QB? So on that topic, Drew Locke did – you know, he returned to practice last week, but he was limited each day. He's He was a full participant today, Zach. Drew Locke's back. Now, Vic Fangio – of course, he's not gonna he's not going to admit that Drew Locke's gonna start this week. You know, he's gonna waffle in his media. Everyone knows it's gonna be Drew Locke this week, though, including Bill Belichick. But nevertheless, you know, Fangio's gonna try and, you know, leverage what gamesmanship he can between now and Sunday. Drew Locke is back. What are your expectations for him? He's got twelve games still left in this season, plenty of time to put a serious body of work on the table.
1: Well, first of all, it worked last week when the Broncos thought they were playing the Patriots to kind of hide and play gamesmanship with Belichick, but Locke's taking in the entirety of first streamer. He's playing in this game. It's going to be Locke versus Cam Newton. So, you know, devoting energy to kind of complicating the situation is just a waste of time for Fangio. In terms of Drew Locke, I can't really say specifically what his expectations should be. I mean, he lost his number one wide receiver. He, he's working with less than 100% of the supporting cast. He's coming off an injury. He has to show, like we said on the last podcast, that he can prove to be a healthy, consistent player for this offense, a starting caliber, potential franchise quarterback, and help the Broncos win on the strength of his shoulder. It doesn't necessarily have to be wins and losses. I mean by winning, just moving the ball, scoring touchdowns, making things happen because of Drew Locke and not in spite of him. I think that's what he can do from here on out. But this is his audition. This is his chance to show whether he can be the guy or can't be the guy. From the Broncos' side, to me, it's more important because they have to answer the question, is he the guy? And by now, until January 3rd, when the season's over, they have to answer that question,
3: yes or no. First and foremost, he has to stay on the field. That's priority number one. And I think that if he's on the field, everything else will take care of itself in terms of answering those questions, Miller707, because – He's I still think he's the guy I still think he's the guy that we viewed him as before he got hurt in week 2 like an injury doesn't completely sap a young player especially <clears throat> excuse me a, a second year quarterback of all of his natural gifts I mean this wasn't some grievous you know season ending injury Drew Lock never got hit by a bus it was a temporary right. setback and even though he's coming back without his number 1 wide receiver and there's a chance that he might be without his top tight end this week although we'll talk about Noah Fant here in a little bit what's up Greg um, Drew Locke is absolutely still the guy. I, I'm still confident in that. The Broncos, if they're waffling at all, they're waffling under the fear that he might not have an NFL-caliber constitution. And he talked about that today. In fact, Zach, that the time that he spent off you know, three and a half weeks, however long it was in real time, he kind of victim blamed himself, to be honest with you, Zach, for that injury. Let me read this quote to you. I'll do this share screen. Hopefully you guys can see this. Um, Hopefully you can read it. If not, I'll, I'll read it out loud anyway. But here's what he said with regard to, you know, being a little bit more aware and not taking unnecessary sacks that can unnecessarily risk you to injury. Quote, there is an art to it, and I've got to learn that art. I watched a lot of football when I was hurt and I watched a lot of older guys and how they don't take sacks. They know they're going to get sacked and they know where their outlet is in order to get rid of the ball, whether that's an automatic incompletion when you throw it at the running back's feet or you sail one out of bounds. It's definitely part of my game that I can get better at. And I worked towards doing while I was hurt, close quote. And then one last thing he had said actually as well, with regard to you know taking that first hit. He says, quote, I'm ready for the first hit just to get it out there and let it happen and let everyone hold their breath for a couple seconds and I get up and everything's fine. I'm excited to get back out there. So, Zach, to me, it's good that he's recognizing that, look, I mean, two serious injuries that – when I say serious, if it costs you time on the field, it's, it's a serious injury. Now, it's not a grievous injury that's season-ending or anything, like Dak, for example – Right. But two serious injuries that cost you time, he's recognizing that all that hope and all that momentum and all that excitement, it goes bye-bye really quickly if you're not on the field. And again, he's only been sacked once uh, this year, technically, and it was the one sack that he got hurt on. So he maintained that momentum of being hard to sack for, that he that he showcased in those five starts last year. That momentum carried over. It's unfortunate, and I think maybe that got to his head a little bit and he kind of felt like he could – maybe do more than he should. I don't know. He's a young player. I'm not going to try and get inside his head, but I'm encouraged to hear that he recognizes, and it sounds like his coaches have gotten through to him, that, look, not everything's your fault, obviously. I mean, we, we've we talked about this before, Dalton Reisner and and Garrett Bowles missing the twist there, and then Wilkinson letting T.J. Uh, Watt into the backfield immediately. It's It wasn't only on Drew, but there were things Drew could have done on that play, and that's what I want to see from him. I want to see him... Learn from that, and in those situations, especially early on, you get rid of the ball.
1: First of all, like you just hit on, for a young player with a handful of starting games under his belt, he's so wise beyond his years with this answer. It's a very encouraging response from Locke, recognizing he has a ways to go, recognizing as a true leader, it's his responsibility to put the the team before himself and be the best player he can be for the team, and he knows uh, the buck stops with him. He's the quarterback of the team and he has a lot of questions to prove and not a lot of answers so far. And for a guy to say in his, in his first year as a full time starter to know that everyone is looking for him to take that first hit and get right back up. That's an answer. Some veteran quarterbacks wouldn't even tell you. It, 10 years into their career. They would they take it as they go. Drew Locke thinks the long-term, the big picture. He wants to be the franchise quarterback in Denver, but he knows it's not handed to him. Regardless of who's on the roster now, who might be in the future, he knows if he can't do it, the Broncos will find someone who will. But what I'm encouraged is he has that hunger and that thirst and that drive to be the guy, and his answers uh, reflect that, Jeff.
2: This is the Overtime
0: Podcast Network.
2: Paid for by America First Legal.
3: It is an art. It really is an art. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, not everyone can be Big Ben. Not everyone can be Patrick Mahomes, the big, hefty, massive dudes that are just physical forces of nature that also happen to have that sixth preternatural sense of getting rid of the ball. and just It's tough to sack those guys for multiple reasons. But look at Tom Brady as an example. Tom Brady is not the big hulking athlete, but that dude is hard to sack because of what he recognizes pre-snap his instincts in the pocket and how many times think back to that 2015 AFC championship game, Zach, where he got hit 19 times and sacked however many times by that great Broncos defense. It should have actually been double those sacks. Cause I mean, half of those hits, he's going to the ground. It's a sack. And at the last second, Get he rid unloads of the ball. Now yeah. my point being that there's a happy medium and it is an art. And I'm very encouraged to hear from Drew that he spent some time kind of watching how these guys do it. Aaron Rodgers is another example a guy who can be very difficult to sack, and he's a guy that's been in Drew Locke's shoes. You know, he's had the collarbone issues in the past, and he's missed time, and he's figured out how to stay on the field more often than not. Uh, Real quick, let's grab this super chat from Mark Langley. Everybody knows Mark, and we've missed Mark. hasn't been in as many live streams as as usual, but when he is here, he always jumps in from the top rope. Love you, buddy. Appreciate the super. What's up, my guys in Broncos community? How's everybody doing? chad and especially zach i miss you guys and i'm not forgetting you john hashtag huddle up pot hashtag mhh and football priest good to thank see you mark. mark hope everything's well in your neck of the woods buddy Mohammed badri jumping in good to see you as well muhammad thank you for the super chat he says hello rock stars melvin gordon needs to give us our money back i don't know about that but i get this sentiment i really do it's very disappointing What are you going to do? It happens. It's the NFL. It's pro athletes. These are young, wealthy men, young. Even if you're not going to say wealthy, these are young. Because to me, there's a difference between being rich and being wealthy. Rich, yes. Wealthy, you know, maybe not generational, multi-generational money does Melvin Gordon have or has he earned up to this point? But they're young guys. They got money. They got options. They, you know, they're going to get into trouble unless they smarten up. And in Gordon's case, Zach, you hope. You would see better, um, you know, better discernment, better responsibility, but unfortunately wasn't sharp enough to realize, well, a little tipsy, Uber, <laughs> done. Problem over. He won't give the money back, but you want him to earn that money
1: at least. You want him to perform like a running back making $8 million a year and for 4.1 yards a carry, one receiving touchdown, not really uh, you know, cutting it for me. Uh, what are you going to say? like like you mentioned, it happens in the NFL, you know, overpayments happen. I'm not going to freak out about this one contract, but again, it's the Broncos first season in the rich Hurtado era. The contract negotiations, the deals being handed out, they didn't get anything done with Lindsay, nothing done with Simmons. They overpaid Melvin Gordon. You, you can form some sort of theory based
3: on those uh, four players, Chad. Greg says, Philip Lindsay puts the character in high character guys, and he is my number one running back. And yeah, you're not going to have to worry about Lindsey being out on the town. He's focused on making that dollar dollar bill so that he can pay for his son and take care of his son. He's talked about that. He's focused on family. He's focused on football, and you want to see that from your team leaders. Now, on the topic, really quick here, Zach. Of Melvin Gordon, I want to bring up something that our Bob Morris, he's kind of our cap guy, as you guys know at Mile High Huddle. Had to, uh, he retweeted this from Nick Corte, who does a lot of work with overthecap.com, or he did in the past. I'm pretty sure he's still working for Over the Cap. But Nick said today on Twitter, and Bob retweeted this, bringing it to my attention among all the other problems Melvin Gordon has allegedly caused here, it could also put his $4.5 million base salary guarantee for 2021 in jeopardy. The same thing happened to Kareem Jackson's 2020 base salary after his DUI although his good play in 2019 ultimately made it moot. In other words, it co- it compromised the guarantee aspect of it, but he still got that money because the Broncos weren't about to pass up on having Kareem in 2020 because he was so good last year. But if Melvin Gordon, if this does affect his his base salary guarantee next year, Zach, and he goes on to struggle or doesn't end up, you know, finishing this season with momentum, the Bron- it could affect what he ends up uh, being owed guarantee-wise by the Broncos, which could then affect the you know the team's uh, salary cap decisions in 2021 that's
1: his choice i mean it's completely dependent on him whether he wants to earn that money and it's one thing to underperform on the field but when you're drinking and you get in a car and you're a public figure and you jeopardize that that's melvin gordon's bed that he's making and he has to lay in so i can't feel too bad for him
3: if it comes to that zach it's so easy uber It is that, I mean, you and I, how many Ubers have you and I shared together? It's like, Hey dude, I'm hungry. Yeah. Let's go get something to eat. Uber. Boom. They're here. Like five minutes later, you're on your way. You're living your life. You're not getting arrested. You're not getting popped. You're not getting fined. You're not getting an entire fan base, cursing your name. (laughs) J fig vids jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. I really appreciate your support. He says, we are looking a lot healthier guys. I'm excited. Gordon will be back and the one, two punch with Lindsay will be great. So Gordon, Again, guys, Gordon, until the NFL hands down punishment, you know, the Broncos will bluster and they'll kind of, you know, they'll say how disappointed they are. And they are. It's to say they aren't. But as Zach likes to say, it's not what they say, it's what they do. Right now they're saying, oh, we're not sure if he's going to play. We'll have a decision for you in the next 24 hours. We're not sure if he's going to play this week. Why would you take Melvin Gordon off the field at this stage? I know you're getting Philip Lindsay back, but, and I mean, you're paying him top dollar. He ain't leaving the field unless the league strong arms you. So, Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon, you're going to get that one-two punch starting week six. Barring some, I mean, look, Kareem Jackson, they knew about that for a long time. He didn't serve his till week 16 and week 17. His suspension last year, the Broncos let it ride. Why would they change that mo in 2020? And why, when you have games against the
1: Patriots and the Chiefs back-to-back, would you jeopardize one of your best players on offense? If they're playing the, the Dolphins or some other horrible team, they could maybe sit them for a half, but they want to win this game against New England. And to the point that the last comment made, this is the silver lining to the game being your schedule. This is why I try to tell you guys that we're freaking out about the bye week. The Broncos are tenfold healthier now. You're getting locked back, but also A.J. Boye, also Noah Fan. Uh, that's a much better Broncos team than if you would have had the game on Monday night. So I'm very encouraged by the re- rescheduling
3: let's grab this from duke boynton everybody knows duke and uh, very nice profile pic there my friend <laughs> thank Love you, you buddy i hope uh, hope your granddaughter is your brand new granddaughter is doing well and also your daughter appreciate you too he says thanks for everything you do gordon's action is forgivable he did wrong but screw us once shame on you screw us twice shame on me let's see Lindsay tear up the field <sighs> Zach, let's talk about Lindsey for a minute here because he's kind of had to um, sit on his hands, sit on his thumb, so to speak, and kind of watch Gordon. You know, maybe it's hyperbole to say Gordon carried this team for the last three weeks because he wasn't that good. But he, again, I I do stand behind saying that without Gordon these last three weeks, I don't think the Broncos weather the storm anywhere close to incompetent form. Like, I don't think you beat the New York jets on the road, even the hapless jets. If you don't get that performance from Melvin Gordon and now Lindsay's you know, so maybe he's going, you know, Oh man, this ain't going so good for me. I open up this season hurt. And then Gordon starts doing well. And then this happens, this, and it happens in the same week in which he's returning. This is, it's going to be really interesting to see what level, because he's already a firecracker, right? Philip Lindsay is an emotional firebrand And, You know, he's going to bring that regardless, but I'm going to be watching closely to see if he plays with a little extra urgency here, because this is his chance to kind of separate, so to speak, not just in the hearts and minds, but separate on the field.
1: You know, publicly, if he would give a statement on the Melvin Gordon incident, he would say that he supports his teammate and he's, you know, he's there for him. But privately, he's going, yes, 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 yes. This is what he waited for, Chad. He, he waited for the opportunity to show he can be the 1A running back or even the, the one running back, the RB1. And Melvin Gordon's incident here, I mean, he's not going to give, I believe Melvin Gordon will not be the starting running back on Sunday. Punishment or otherwise, Philip Lindsay will get the first carry. And it's gonna take a lot. You never bet against Philip Lindsay. It's gonna take a lot once he's off the field to get him off of it again. Once he's when he's on the field. So I think he's gonna show the Broncos they should have paid him and not his counterpart.
2: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Paid for by America first legal
3: Paraphrase the man. Once again, I don't care who they pay. I don't care who they bring in here. You have to get past me. And that is very hard to do. And, you know, the injury bug, you know, levels the playing field pretty quickly. But the time is is come for Lindsay to return to the field. And it's going to be really fun to see him do his thing on the road against a Patriots defense that frankly is not terrifying when it comes to being a rushing defense. So this is a good opportunity. Uh, Justin Martin jumping in. Thank you, my friend, Thank for you, that Justin. generous super chat. Yes. Good to see you. Well, now Lindsey's going to be a beast on my fantasy team, LOL, at least this week. I, again, Gordon's going to play this week, but as Zach said, you're going to get the symbolic passing of the torch back to Lindsay. He's going to start. He'll get the first touch just to send a message to Gordon. And, yeah. again, I think it's going to give a little momentum to Lindsay, and it'll be interesting to see, provided he can keep the injury bug at bay because, knock on wood, Turf Toe can be a nagger. Hopefully, you know, that he he can keep that at bay and uh, get back into doing what he does, and that is being an explosive playmaker. Greg Smith says, Melvin Gordon put himself before the team, and that's uh, all that is is a me, me, me attitude. Well said, my friend. Uh, Zach, let's grab Luis Martin. Uh, Excuse me, Luis Marin down in Mexico. Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is a state of being, baby. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, no worries at all. Philip will do the job and even better what he always does. Great to catch you guys live. Hashtag Mexican Bronco, hashtag state of being. Love it, Luis. Good to see you, my friend. Thank you. I'm not putting anything past Philip Lindsay. Turf
1: toe, wrist injury, being benched, being the the six-string running back, he will rise to the top. The cream always rises, and that is number thirty in the Broncos backfield starting Sunday.
3: There's still quite a few other topics we're going to get to tonight, including some of the takeaways from the Practice report, okay, who is available, What's a, how it's shaping up for week six. We'll get to that here shortly. But first, got to grab a few more of these super chats, or superstars. We don't like to keep you waiting. Levi jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. Two. Oh, geez. Okay. Thank you, Levi. Thank you, Levi. Appreciate the clarification there. He says, uh, whoops. Hey, fellas, one of the things I love about Drew, his willingness to learn. I liked what he had to say in his presser. What about you guys? thoughts yeah dude as Zach kind of touched on it a little bit early but he uh he helped kind of mollify me a little bit like I was starting to wonder if if things were going to his head a little bit if there's a silver lining to him suffering that injury when he did I think it and then seeing Brett Rippon you know it doesn't take much for a a fan base devoid of success like the Broncos have been the last five seasons it doesn't take much to swing that emotional um, loyalty one way or another. And just seeing Brett Rippon, you know, soaking it all in after that week four win, and it wasn't great. I mean, it was far from perfect. He threw three picks, but he still hung tough, played well, made some excellent throws and showed that, um, you know, showed some real will to win, right? Some metal down the stretch in that game. And Drew Locke saw that, and hopefully that made him, you know, sometimes it's not – You don't know what you got till it's gone. And even though Drew Locke knew he was coming back, I think all those factors combined, it's going to make him savor and appreciate and capitalize on his opportunity even more. Now, Zach, the flip side to that, unfortunately, is that he's got two, he's walking into two really tough matchups back to back. Not only is it on the road against the Patriots week six, then he's got to come home and take on Pat Mahomes and the chiefs, but it's in Denver, of course. So, it, you know, it's, it's a couple of really tough games. But, hey, dude, welcome to the NFL. Can you contend? Can you go toe-to-toe with these top-level teams? So far, what we've seen from him outside of that Week 15 game in the snow in Kansas City, Zach, Drew Locke has shown that he can because even that Tennessee game wasn't his, his best performance as a Bronco. But look what Tennessee did to the Bills last night. And, I mean, it was, right. it was pretty, pretty – uh, yeah. And the Broncos had the chance to beat him. Like, they were leading that game – if They don't botch that four minute offense and Pat Shermer pulls his head out of his you know what, we could be talking about Broncos right now sitting at two and four or uh two and two, excuse me. So, anyway, I, I liked what I heard from Locke today as well.
1: Yeah, I tweeted this last night the Broncos should feel no shame losing to and actually coming this close to beating uh the Tennessee Titans who were definitely legit. They impressed me last night in terms of Drew Locke. The same thing was said last year, making his first career start against the Chargers. The same thing was said when he played the the Texans, when he started against them, tough opponent on the road. It's a a tough position for him to be in yet. He won both games. I'm not putting anything past Drew Locke, what he brings to the table with his tangibles and intangibles. And also I'm not scared uh, of the chiefs defense. I'm not scared of the new England defense. I'm not saying they're going to beat him, but I'm not scared of him either them either. And also one thing I wanted to add about my, my comments on Locke, the way he he handled himself in the presser today, I like that he blamed himself and not those around him. He could have easily, subtly said you know, the protection or the injuries or the coaching or the play calling, but he blamed himself. And you saw Chris Harris Jr. last year, a pro bowler, a veteran, blamed every single person around him. Locke is a leader, and that's why he's a potential franchise quarterback who I'm
3: not and Chad not, we're not giving up on just yet. Far from and that's why even to Brett Ripon, when he was asked about it last week, this is Drew's team. This is Brett coming off his win and being asked the question, no, this is Drew Locke's team. And Zach's 100% right. It'd been really easy for a young quarterback, maybe a little bit more insecure coming off the injury and then seeing Brett win like that to have stood up there and, a, and not taken accountability like he did for what his share of that unfortunate event was because he did take some complicity. The offensive line did as well, but nevertheless, I I agree with you on that, Zach. KP, jumping in on Super Chat. Everyone knows Kevin Peterson down in Florida. Good to see you, bro. (laughs) I concur here. Can't this dude drink whiskey like a man? I am embarrassed that he was drinking wine as a fan. Zach, if you, you know, I'm not a big drinker. I'm really not. Back in the day, college, sure, you know, whatever. But if I do decide to Tip one back, it's not going to be wine. <laughs> it actually is going to be whiskey. Johnny Walker right. Red, if I do tip one back. So I don't know. KP's got a point. It depends
1: on the circumstances. Was, was he at a dinner party last night with some friends? That could explain the wine, but he's going to a club in, in downtown Denver drinking wine. I question his social preferences, but that's a whole other
3: story, Chad, completely. Um, thanks for the segue here, Richie. Appreciate this uh, point. We were going to get to this tonight. So Richie says, I'm not sure if it was covered, but we lost linebacker Isaiah Irving from the practice squad. He was a new signing. Yeah, so Benjamin Albright tweeted this afternoon, not long before we went live, in fact, that was it the Cardinals, I think, John? Right? The Cardinals swooped in uh, and signed him. Goodbye. I mean, (laughs) they hardly knew you. He was uh, the only real value, in my opinion, Irving ever brought to the Broncos was the fact that he had a little history with Fangio understood the scheme and all that. So if the tent, if the team ever did need to call on him, he at least had that. But the Broncos, he's been here what, two, two, three weeks real time, two games, if I'm not mistaken. At least one game though. I think two. And he hasn't been elevated once, you know, uh what's his name? Uh, Chiquillo. They've they've liked what he's done so far. And then of course, you know, Malik Reed. And then they've elevated twice their rookie Derek Tusca over Isaiah Irving. So, you know, it's a good sign that the Broncos maybe were on to something if another team was willing to sign him off the practice squad to their active roster, but this is no skin off Denver's teeth. Well, let me tell you
1: why he was signed, though. I know this because of the Cardinals' upcoming opponent. They just lost Chandler Jones for the season. So they need a depth... And the, maybe Vance saw something, like you said. Maybe he, he still has some Broncos connections and the coaching staff said, hey, what's the opinion on this guy? Is he good? Maybe Reggie Herring texted him. I don't know. But, you know, no big loss there. Go on and go forward.
3: Terry Randall, back in the house. It's been a minute since we've seen our friend north of the 49th Parallel that's been with us a long time riding shotgun here on the Huddle Up podcast. Good to see you, Terry. Appreciate the support. Hashtag state of being, indeed, my friend. You are one of those great members of our community that exemplifies that very hashtag, my friend. Hope you're well. Hope everything's good in your neck of the woods, my friend. Uh, Zeus jumping in Zeus. as well. Good to see you, my friend. Thank you. And uh, everyone knows Stu McPeak. I mean, talk about MHH Mount Rushmore. He is the first face etched up there. He says, Hi, all. Sorry, I have missed a couple of pods. I've been in between homes. Go Broncos. So he's not homeless. He moved from the Pacific Northwest Seattle area to Texas, and there's that little gap of time sometimes where you your lease runs out and you're waiting to close on the new house, and you gotta kind of find somewhere to live in the short term, and that's what he's talking about there. So he'll be into his new home hopefully here sooner than later. Um, we got the queen also jumping in. Everyone knows Christy, the the uh, brainchild behind that brand new piece of swag on the merch store. Go check it out. Maybe we'll, uh, I'll do a, a share screen later. And if you guys missed it on, um, what was it, Monday night when we debuted that? Really Little appreciate uplaw.com. She's ready for Lindsay to come back, Zach. I am too. Yep. Everyone is. I mean, we've been
1: all, and it, like you touched on, Chad, the emotional swings and the vacillation in the Broncos fan base or any NFL fan base. When last year, everyone was hailing Phillip Lindsay as the future of the running back position, the next Terrell Davis, they signed Melvin Gordon, and it's like, Lindsey can kick rocks. And then he goes down. The Melvin Gordon's, you know, he's okay. The Broncos offense is stuck in neutral. All welcoming Philip Lindsay back. I cannot wait to see him out there on Sunday because, like I
3: said, he's going to take his first carry and he will not relinquish that going forward. Cody Potter jumping in. Good to see you, my friend, one of our superstars. Appreciate you. Thank you, Cody. He says Lindsay's about to let the dogs out. Sorry, not sorry for Gordon. Lindsay's about to take his job back and never Thank let you. it go. I bet he gets into the end zone twice. Hashtag number 30. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this, this is his opportunity. It's going to be really fun to see him back out on the grass. And just that energy and that swagger and that confidence and the spark he brings to the offense, it's going to be combined with Drew Locke's return. Man, this is going to be an offense that should look night and day different than what we've seen the last three and a half games. You said it. The spark that he brings, the game-breaking ability Philip Lindsay possesses
1: that nobody else on that Broncos offense, Melvin Gordon included, can even come close to touching. He is just a natural game-breaker. As a receiver, yes, he can catch passes. As a
2: runner, Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. They want boys in our daughter's bathrooms and sports teams. And now the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left wing leaders across America, hands off our kids paid for by America First Legal. Whatever you want him to do, he can find his way to the end zone. We are going to see maybe
1: starting Sunday, those 2018 long touchdown-making plays by Philip Lindsay. He is going to end this season atop the depth chart and earn that contract. Bet on that.
3: All right, let's grab uh, Marchy Carts on Twitter. Appreciate you joining the stream. Good to see you. Just logged in. Thoughts on a percentage of chance of suspension? He's going to get right. suspended.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, I don't <clears> – <throat> I was going to look into this, and then I forgot. I'm sorry, guys. <clears throat> but I'm pretty sure – if it's your first, I don't want to even say it cause I don't want to steer anybody wrong, but let me just put it this way. He's going to get suspended. It's just a matter of how many games Kareem Jackson got two last year. I would guess that's what Gordon's staring down at some point this, this year. Now, if he appeals a DUI, um, maybe he can whittle that down, but I don't think so. I think it's two games is probably what he's, he's looking at. And, this year not next year
1: yeah i'm 100% with you i think it could be 2 to 3 games and maybe on appeal he can get it knocked down to one game but he will miss for sure 100% at least one game
3: uh later this season we got nate lightner jumping in good to see you my friend appreciate you, that nate. super chat he says i haven't made a live in a while always catch it after though good to hear my friend is this a possible culture issue when you see players getting in trouble go broncos Zach, I've, this is something that I've seen a few fans mention: possible, you know, cultural vacuum and the bad boys are going to fill the void, not to necessarily paint, you know, Melvin Gordon with that broad of a stroke at this point, but nevertheless, do you see this? I'll let you start on this. Do you see this as a cultural crack in the veneer?
1: No, because DUIs preceded Vic Fangio's reign as Broncos head coach. They preceded John Elway's reign as Broncos GM. DUIs happen around the NFL. It happens in every sport, unfortunately. I mean, not too long ago, Chad, a Broncos executive was popped for a DUI. I mean, it it happens on every level, coaches, players, assistants, fans. It's just a part of life and a part of football. So I don't think it's a cultural problem. I think it's an individual problem. Melvin Gordon had individual character concerns with the Chargers, and you sign that guy, you're bringing that in. It's the same thing as signing an injury-prone guy. When you sign a guy who's been injured, chances are he is
3: going to get injured. So I wouldn't think it's a cultural problem, no. Let's grab this one here from Kenneth Booker, one of the superstars in our community, bona fide superstar. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. He says, to my free agent question, sign Levante David this offseason. Zach, I'm not sure what – I just – now that he mentioned it, I want to see what Levante David's age is. Let me see. Levante David's got to be in his late 20s at least. He's he's gonna be 31 this January. Yeah. That to me tells me he's got two to three more year window that you could probably safely risk some salary cap dollars. I'd be all about that. I've long been a massive admirer of Levante David, yeah. he could help you with coverage, and he's a great run stuffer, and he can blitz. And you know, he's a bona fide three down backer. I wouldn't mind this, but when is the
1: Broncos going to be their time to find that true three-down guy in the draft? I mean, the the Bucks had him, and they still drafted Devin White. They know where their bread is buttered, building from within and finding that young replacement. I wouldn't mind him as a as a hold the fort guy, starting opposite AJ Johnson. I just would love the Broncos to find their own Levante David in the draft, their own Devin White in the draft, not have to worry about it for you know eight to ten years.
3: For whatever reason, John Elway just doesn't seem very inclined from a from a roster prioritization perspective a roster building block perspective to invest high draft capital in the position it's always college free agents and waiver wire pickups and you know even todd davis who ended up becoming a multi-year starter here brandon marshall multi-year starter waiver wire claims danny trevathan six round pick um yeah. who else uh alexander johnson college free agent josie jewel mid-round pick He's turned into he could be turning into something. I should say, we'll see. Diamond Rattler jumping in. People want to know why Aaron Rodgers is good. Smart QB play. He throws the ball away when he knows nothing's there. He knows he has injury issues too. Yeah, because once you break that collarbone once, man, you are susceptible to that forevermore.
1: But he's Aaron Rodgers. How many quarterbacks are really Aaron Rodgers out there? There's three of them in the NFL still nowadays. And Drew Lock. Does he have to be a little less injury, I wouldn't say prone, but injury heady, injury-aware, knowing what he's doing, going down, bracing for a fall? Yeah, but injuries are luck and nothing more. It's You can train for them. You can prepare for them. But if you step the wrong way, like Von Miller proved, you brace your fall the, the wrong way, like Drew, Drew Locke proved, it's going to happen. It's inevitable.
3: Jeff C. jumping in, one of our superstars. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, uh, I'm encouraged by Locke's mindset. I want to see him win. I want to win like Nacho Libre, right? Bad impression. My apologies. Hope, you know, we were just watching that. In fact, in my house the other day, which is why that came to mind. But Drew Locke, what is he now, Zach? Four and three technically as a starter. So he's still plus 500 as a starting quarterback in the league. I'm I'm not charging him for that Steelers loss. That's not him. He played not even a half. Correct. True. But it's on his record. I mean, technically. Yeah, I'm just not in my mind. But uh, yeah, I want to see him win. And. I think if Drew Locke, I don't care which one it is, if he can split these next two games, win one of these two games, one either against the Patriots or home against the Chiefs, man, that would just – either one of those wins would just be a massive just confidence boost, not just for Locke but for this whole team. And honestly, it sounds counterintuitive, Zach, but winning in Foxborough might be the easier – task slightly compared to <laughs> trying to beat Patrick Mahomes because that offense is still a juggernaut and nothing I saw from Vic Fangio's defense last year encouraged against the chiefs. I mean, encouraged me to believe that he's got the code cracked with, I mean, Vance Joseph played the chiefs a lot closer defensively and Joe Woods than Vic Fangio did in his two swings at the bat uh, at the plate, I should say last year. So maybe uh, all the efforts this week, just, I mean, just go all in drew go all in Philip. Phillip, You guys get the win, and Cam Newton, you know, he's going to be a little rusty. The Patriots are going to be rusty. They haven't played for a while, too. And the Broncos, look, 17 days in between games, got a chance to get healthy. You get practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, build up some momentum. This is their chance to kind of storm back into the conversation.
1: It is. And you know, the I, I will guarantee you something right this second. If Locke goes into New England and beats the Patriots, every single Broncos fan who said tank for Trevor or find a quarterback in next year's draft are gonna be praising number three. I guarantee you right now, and Chad, it's a sign of the times where the Patriots are an easier matchup on paper than another opponent. And that's what I've been saying. I'm not scared of them. They are beatable. They have been beaten. They are two and two for a reason. He can go in there and beat them. If things Like you said, they align. The play calling's on point. Lindsey plays hard. Noah Fant plays hard. They can go in there and win. And if that happens, every single detractor that Locke picked up the last three weeks will be completely (laughs) singing
3: a completely different tune, 100% opposite. Nobody gave Drew Locke and the Broncos a chance to go in and beat the Texans in week 14. Even after he came in in week 13 and got his first career win in his first career start, it's going to take that kind of a game, to be honest with you, where it's the opposite of Murphy's Law. What could go wrong, it could be will go wrong. It should be instead. What could go right will go right. You know, they need to be – and unfortunately, you know, the first quarter of the season, for the most part, the Broncos were slaves to Murphy's Law. They just – it was just a lot of bad luck stacked on bad luck. This is their chance, man. They've got momentum. The the, the football gods are – lightening up on them a little bit. This is their chance and flip it, boots, jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, whoever hasn't sinned, throw the first rock at Gordon. True. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's no, no one's perfect. Totally get that. But in an in an age where NFL players have their team security guys on insta dial, they can have a car there within five minutes and, and there's an Uber and there's a Lyft within a couple of minutes, no matter where you are. There's really no excuse. There just is not an excuse.
1: And in the age where everything is publicized, twenty years ago, you can get away with the DUI. Let's say if if things, if social media wasn't around, the word didn't spread as fast. And him being a notable figure in Denver, it was going to get out. And listen, I'm not saying it's an unforgivable offense, like a last, a previous question posited. He's not exactly Michael Vick doing something that egregious, that sickening, that disgusting. But he did show a lack of accountability and a lack of foresight, and I think I agree with the sentiment, he put himself before the team. And it's hypocritical when he just complained about what the team has to go through, and he comes out two days later and gets a DUI. It, it's, it's lead with your, with your actions, not with your
3: words. So that's exactly Melvin Gordon's issue. And it's, it's, it's a distraction. They didn't need that this week, man. You got the freaking Patriots on the docket. You don't need that. Shame on Gate on Melvin Gordon for that. It's just bad, bad form, dude. There's no way around it. Yeah, Booch, no one's perfect, but come on, dude. You got to expect more from these guys. Uh, Jesse Robinson on Facebook. Thanks for the question, my friend. He says, I've noticed Tim Patrick has stepped up his game. He's no Sutton, but he's big and has sure hands. Do you guys think he could be a go-to guy for Locke in Sutton's absence? And in case you Here guys missed you. it, Tim Patrick posted the first 100-yard receiving game of his NFL career. And he and Drew Locke have already proved that they got a little something, something. Yes. And I think that had to do with all the time they spent last training camp on second and third team. And then I think Tim Patrick was a guy that was kind of there for Locke in terms of when he was working back from his thumb and started getting back into playing shape. And they have a little, uh, you know, maybe not the same level of, of juice chemistry they established with Sutton last year, but there's plenty there to build on, especially with the momentum Patrick has right now.
1: I had a tweet up about a week ago where I looked at Tim Patrick's production the last couple years. He went through six starting quarterbacks in three seasons, and he performs with every single one of them. And like Chad mentioned, had his first hundred yard game with Brett and throwing to him. And he reminds you of Cortland Sutton because I call him Cortland Sutton light. He's not Sutton, but the same, the physicalness, the, the catch radius, the possession receiver ability, it's all there with him. And he's for my money, the most sure-handed receiver on the Broncos roster, maybe even including Cortland Sutton. Huge fan of Tim Patrick, far from a jag. He could be a starter, I think, in most other teams. You put him on the Patriots right now, he's our number number 2 wide receiver. I'm a huge fan of his. And like you mentioned, the chemistry was last year. Locke's best throw against Houston off his back foot, a
3: dime in the bucket to Tim Patrick. Big fan of his. If you guys need a reminder of that, I think, Zach, you still have that pinned on your Twitter, yes. if I'm not mistaken, in that yes. very and play, so go check it and out. And it, will, it uh, will remain. Tony Briscoe on YouTube with the question, can somebody explain why the Cowboys get to have 25,000 fans at the game, but the Broncos can only have 5,700, especially since our word that shall go unmentioned numbers are way lower talking about Colorado. Um, You know, it just has to do with local and state policy. And uh, I mean, I don't want to turn this into a political conversation, (laughs) but there's a different party that runs Texas and there's a different party that runs Colorado for the most part right now. And that probably has, a lot to do with it to be frank and it's not necessarily a direction i want to take this conversation but tony you can probably do the math on that my friend that's a hundred percent what i was going to say it texas is red and colorado's
1: blue and that's that's just the bottom line it's not our preferences it's not our opinion it's just yeah, a it's fact. just the
3: truth um but the good news though is that hey, fifty seven hundred. Every game, at least this year, you know they're going to be able to have fans in the stands, and and that's going to be good. That's that's just having them there. People, you know, rooting them on in the stands at home. It's a, it's it's better than nothing, right? It's better than nothing, and it's good for those season ticket holders that are going to get that chance. So, could be worse, I guess, is my point to you for uh, for Broncos fans. Let me see what we got here. We're running out of time, so I'm going to move this along here. Eli, shout out to you. Good to have you in the stream, my friend from Corpus Christi, Texas. Good to see you. Um, let's grab Jfig vids jumping back in again. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. He says, "Is AJ going to play like his Pro Bowl year?" Alexander Johnson, Boye, I think. Oh, hello. Thank you. Is AJ going to play? So let's let's talk about real quick. That uh, reminded me. We've been so focused on the chat. Let me get back to a few things from today's practice Wednesday. So on the topic of AJ Boye, technically he's still on injured reserve, all right? He was asked, Vic Fangio, if Bouye's clocked uh, to return from IR, has that process started, quote, yeah. He can partake in practice today and is eligible to come off. We'll see how it goes. And then later on in the conversation, he was asked, basically, what would you need to see from Bouye uh, in order for him to be able to play? Uh, let me find this here. Bear with me one sec. I had it. First, quote, this is, this is Fangio first. He has to get medically cleared. That's step one. Step two is that he has to believe that he can play and be champing at the bit to play. And then three, if A and B are satisfied, us coaches have to weigh how we play, uh, how we would play and how he would play, excuse me, in light of his extended absence and his health in lieu of someone else who's not hurt, hasn't been missing time is kind of more in the zone. We're still working through all three steps of that close quote. So, I think, Zach, there's, there's a chance that he could play this week, but I still think it's probably more likely that you don't see Bouillet till mm. next week. So, so getting back to the question here from JFigs, is AJ going to play like his Pro Bowl year? He started off with a bang. He looked right. dang good to open up that right. Tennessee game, but until he gets back from the, from the injury, we just don't know.
1: Yeah, I was going to say he was looking like a Pro Bowl cornerback, and he was far and away, including Bryce Callahan, including Devontae Bosby, including Mudia, far and away the Broncos' best cornerback. I can't predict how he's going to finish. I do think, though, he will play this week. I just have a funny feeling Fangio will go all in to beat New England and kind of carry on the Broncos' momentum and form a winning streak. The Broncos, though, 21 days from today, because he practiced, to activate him off IR. If it's not this week, like Chad mentioned, definitely next week. So how he performs
3: going forward, I think will shape the defense for the rest of the season. Duke, his birthday tomorrow. Well, hopefully, dude, you make a little time for us in the stream, and we will uh, we'll wish you a happy birthday, and give you the, give yes. you a birthday shout out in style, my friend. So um, we'll hopefully see you then, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. I'm sure either way. But Truce the poet jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. Thank, Thank you for the support. We should be three and one right now. Pitt, Tennessee, and the Jets. What he's getting at is the Broncos should have won in Tennessee. I agree – or against Tennessee. I totally agree with that. Pittsburgh, you know, you really were defying the football gods if, if Jeff Driscoll gets that fourth down play, which he just took a sack, right? And, by the way, that brings up something really interesting. That, uh, getting back to Bob Morris today, he had another tweet that was just money. This is from, uh, from Bob, quote, going over some Broncos stats – and I see the Broncos quarterbacks have taken 13 sacks this season. Drew Locke, Brett Rippon have taken one apiece. The rest, all Jeff Driscoll. There are legitimate issues with the O-line, but I'd say Driscoll bears the most responsibility for his 11 sacks. So, you know, if Jeff Driscoll, you, were, you probably, after Locke went down, you just really didn't have a shot at beating Pittsburgh. Even though you came close, there was that chance. The odds were just so stacked against you. So, three and one. I'd say you, you two and two. You the spilt milk that you should be two and two. Yeah. And I can I will say this you put
1: DeMar Dotson in for that Steelers game, you never know. They could emerge they had the Steelers on the ropes. They had that was a very winnable game against a very good team. I will concede the Buccaneers game. They beat the Broncos pretty handily. Should it be Tennessee if not for coaching? Should it be uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers
3: if not for a horrendous offensive line play? Yeah, two and two right now <clears throat> would be the record. Brian Keenow jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. It has been a minute since we've had you in the stream. It's good to have you back. Long-time listener and uh, superstar in the community. He says, I'm ready for Locke to shut up these Broncos fans that have been wanting Justin Herbert. He sounds ready to go. And Phil, uh, Locke and Phil are going to make a huge difference. Missed you guys. We have missed you too, my friend. Absolutely. Um, we're getting close here, Zach. So let's, let's march through these remaining Supers, and then we'll dip out for tonight. You got something to say? Let me just say one thing.
1: Every Broncos fan pining over Justin Herbert, he hasn't won a game yet. Locke went 4-1 and one last year. What's more important to you, making a throw or winning a game? I'll take Drew Locke any day. He went 4-1
3: and one versus Ofer 0 Well said. We've said it before on this podcast. Wait, hey, let us know. Holler Whew. when Herbert gets his first dub. Yes. Uh, Levi jumping back in. Wow, thanks, my friend. Thanks. Means a lot to us, buddy. Do you think there are any players the Broncos might shop around before the deadline? And who do you think might be gone? If the Broncos were to trade anybody in light of all of the personnel losses that they've suffered this year, I don't think that's very likely that the Broncos would be looking to dish anyone, uh, at least that they still have available to them. But what's your answer for Levi? I could see I
1: could see Melvin Gordon. I maybe as a trade bait, late, late round pick recoup some of that money. I don't think it's going to happen. I could see Deshaun Hamilton. He's the odd man out of, of the receiving pecking order. I'd rather play Tyree Cleveland over Deshaun Hamilton at this point. Other than that, they don't have many assets, chat healthy ones anyway that would return, uh, you know, a comparable, you know,
3: draft pick. Shout out to Black Knight Two Thirty Two jumping in with a super Thank chat. You. Appreciate you, my friend. Good to see you. Hope you everything went well with your uh, tournament. By the way, Zach, on this topic of uh, trade and the deadline or whatnot, I don't know if you saw this, but our former employer, CBS Sports, they tied the Broncos to possibly being in the hunt for Dwayne Haskins. Now, if you guys missed it, the Washington football team is reportedly planning on moving Dwayne Haskins between now and the trade deadline. And they tied the Broncos, uh, the Raiders. I I don't remember the other teams now off the top of my head. The Raiders. uh, Into that conversation. And I just, I had so much fun writing that article because I just (laughs) had to dunk on how dumb that that whole premise was. But nevertheless, don't... uh, don't expect the Broncos to, to truly be in on Dwayne Haskins, who did wear an Elway jersey when he showed up for his visit trying to score I some points, but the Broncos had their chance at Haskins. They wanted lock the whole time.
1: Yeah, let's see. They're going to trade for Dwayne Haskins, the, the, the Raiders, let's say, after Derek Hart just beat Kansas City. How does that make a lick of sense? Nor why would he come to the Broncos when they have Brett Ripon, they have Driscoll, they have Bortles. I can spend the next hour dunking on CBS Sports Chat and their many other sister companies. Let me just say, mm-hmm. though, Dwayne Haskins, it's a terrible idea. I didn't like him coming out. Nothing to do with the fact that he just can't play ball. And that's why yeah. he's already he's already not a full starting season getting out of D.C. already. So nothing to do with him. Terrible quarterback.
3: Ron Dubb jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. It has been a minute and a true superstar in our community always brings the good questions. We do have to make it kind of rapid fire answer this late in the game, though. Ron Dubb says, hey, guys, long time. Which two players on each side of the ball have been the top performers during the first four games and which player on the defensive line? will be most instrumental in stopping Cam Newton. So for me, Zach, offense, I'm going to say Noah Fant. And yep. instrumental, I'm going to say Brett Rippon, all right, on the on offense. Well, no, I'm going to say – I'm sorry. I'm going to say Noah Fant and Garrett Bowles. Credit to Brett Rippon, though. Defense, I'm going to say that's – that's a tougher one, dude. I'm probably going to say – I'm probably going to say Chubb. Mm, Shelby, those two would be my answer. And yeah. then on the defensive line, stopping Cam, it's going to be the big man in the middle, Mike Purcell. Clog those lanes, man. Clog the lanes and and let the line black, uh, linebackers flow.
1: Yeah, offense, I could say maybe Melvin Gordon. It's just, Chad, it, it's the recency bias. The Broncos have been so dormant the first four weeks of the season before the Jets game that anything looks good. So Melvin Gordon, Noah fan. Garrett Bowles, those are three for sure. On defense, Shelby Harris. Pay him already. Pay you the guy. making plays every single game. Uh, definitely not Justin Simmons, not Kareem Jackson. Uh, boy, ain't looked good the first game. Uh, the Bosby looked good. I'm going to go with what you said, though. I'm going to go with uh, Shelby Harris and uh, Bradley Chubb, who looked more like the Bradley
3: Chubb of old uh, last week. This dude probably created this handle specifically for him to hear me say this. Super chat coming in from Holden Butts. Really appreciate that, my friend. Thank you uh, on more than one level, Alexander Johnson or Jewel. Who's the long-term linebacker and should we target a linebacker in the first? I'm liking Dylan Moses from Bama Holden. Really appreciate the super chat. My brother really, really do my friend. Thank you. Um, who's the more long-term viable guy. That's, no question. I mean, honestly, Jewel's younger, but obviously, but Johnson just has them has more upside. So I'd be remiss to say anything other than Johnson and no, I'm not taking an off ball linebacker in the first round.
1: No, and let me just say about Josie Jewell, he looked great against the Jets. He really it was a career game for him, but that was an outlier. He's not gonna do that every single week. AJ is just the much better they're both the same kind of linebacker, and I'm gonna take AJ any day. But in terms of first round, Chad, if it's not a quarterback, offensive tackle or lineman in the first round next
3: year. Carlos Oliva jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. He says no mascaranas for Melvin. <laughs> no more drinks for Melvin Gordon cut the man off if you see him at your local watering hole in denver cut him off okay good to see you carlos appreciate that hey it's been a minute since we've seen steve baumgartner in super chat good to have you my friend really appreciate the support and uh means a lot to us my friend he says hey guys just got off work not the same without you steven and you know that i know you're in the streams and you're in the chat but i just want to thank you for for showing us some love showing us some support on super chat and then as we're about to dip on out of here guys We got to tip our cap to the 24 year veteran of the Air Force, Chris Hernandez himself, who is reminding you guys, click those little thumbs up before you bounce on out of here. Click the thumbs up means a lot to us, guys. You have no idea how much that helps put the put this podcast in front of additional viewers and potential listeners down the road. So like this video, guys, it has a huge impact on our growth potential. And Chris, love you, buddy. Really appreciate you. Zach, I think that – oh, we got one here from – oh, no, we did grab that one from Carlos. Let me make sure we're not missing anyone else here. I think we got it. So um, last thing, and then we'll bounce. With regard to the uh, practice report, Zach, Noah Fant was limited. He did practice. So I'm still keeping my fingers crossed that you might get Noah Fant this week. He'll play. I'm pretty convinced of that. All right, guys, we got to dip on out of here for tonight, but let uh, you know, don't don't worry about it. We'll be back tomorrow night. It's mile high mailbag time Thursday night, our favorite podcast of the week. So no holds barred on questions and topics and whatever's on your mind. If we missed you for some reason tonight, have it back in this, you know, come back in the saddle with us tomorrow. We will do our best to get to you. Uh, Shout out to all of our super chat superstars. Really love you guys. Mile high salute to you. you. Shout out to our Facebook supporters and those of you in our community who support what we're doing here. I mean, just being in the stream, and we appreciate every one of you for being here live with us and listening after the fact. That means more to us than we can ever say. But the support that you show us, our superstars and our Facebook supporters, man, it just allows us to bring this content to you on a daily basis. So thank you so much. And, guys, in the meantime, make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter, at Pod. Also, at Mile High Huddle. And whatever you do, follow my partner, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL, myself, at Chad N. Jensen. And then while you're at it, our producer, Buona Beast, John Cronenberg. He's got so many handles that you're you're trying to keep them all straight. But on Twitter, he goes by at John K. MHH. Follow him on Twitter. And then uh, we'll be back tomorrow night for the Mile High Mailbag. We look forward to seeing you guys then. Zach, have a good night, brother. You too. And to answer your question
1: about knowing what players are going to play, uh, I think tomorrow's practice report, who gets in limited, who is full, who doesn't practice will have a more clearer picture as to Sunday's game status for some of these players, Chad.
3: Very true. Very true. All right, guys. Love you. Appreciate each and every one of you. Mile high salute to you as well, my friend. And to all of our superstars. Love you guys. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll see you tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern.
2: You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore.